Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAmelon. Thanks for joining me. This episode is all about telephone selling, if that's what you call it. You can call it cold calling, we can call it telemarketing. I like to call it telephone selling for a number of reasons. If you go to any of the search engines and you type in a really classic phrase, which is something like, does telephone sales still work in 2020? Or does telemarketing still work in 2019? Or is cold calling any use? Something like that. And you're going to get a whole lot of content coming back at you. Typically content created by people who have a vested interest in telephone selling not working. So for example, HubSpot and LinkedIn um, appear pretty high up the rankings when you type in those questions because what they want to do is very gently say, yeah, you know what, cold calling is not too bad, but wouldn't it be great if you did that with a whole lot of stuff that we can help you with? Nothing wrong with that at all, but the tone essentially says or suggests that telephone selling is dead. Um, That's why I don't like calling it cold calling, because you're making the connection between um, speaking to people who are not invigorated at all to speak to you is difficult in this climate when strangers are speaking to strangers. There's so many reasons not to take the call, not to speak for long, so it makes the job much more difficult. Yet if you look at it from the context of telephone selling and create a process and a structure to that part of your business development in the same way as you would have a structured email marketing campaign or social media activities, you will start to see results. I did a lot of work with companies recently from maybe November, December, but trying to reframe their business development efforts and put more focus on telephone selling. These same businesses have a very, very strong customer service ethic and that customer service ethic is delivered only through the telephone. So the idea that they can look after customers and manage any queries as well as managing expectations by by the phone would suggest that's just as good a way to generate new business. But it doesn't just come as a standalone panacea for all of your problems. Telephone selling is not easy. It's a certain type of person will hate it and a certain type of person will actually like it. And I think it's it's one of those things where you get a, a team of sales executives to sit on the phone and I think they'll struggle with it unless they're prepared to put in some hard yards and go through a fair bit of pain, I think. It's not. Um, it's definitely not for the faint-hearted. So one of the things that um, we specialize in, Shift Control is trying to create blended business development strategies, which is taking together the uh, effective and appropriate elements to a sales strategy and layering them on top of a sale, a marketing strategy. For example, you could be picking a database of contacts that are open to connection um, and who are, I'm just trying to free, who are are GDPR compliant would be the best way to say that. And so you've got their name, you've got a phone number, You've got an email address, you've got their company address, you've got access to their website and social media activities to give you some background. And by a fairly determined prospecting phase of selling, you will gather enough information that will allow you to make phone calls. 
and if you're well prepared, those phone calls can work pretty well for you. It all sounds very easy like that, but that's ultimately how it is. On top of that, you can then layer in email marketing, so pre or post telephone call, you can do direct mail, which can you imagine if everybody reverted to just sending handwritten letters, the chances of those handwritten letters being opened are particularly high, I would have thought. Uh, so it's standing out. The job is to stand out uh, amongst all the clutter. It's even easier to stand out where there is no clutter and handwritten envelopes with personalized messages internally from the sales exec sent to complement the telephone call can work really effectively. On top of that, you can layer in social media activities. You can be present on LinkedIn for predetermined periods of time. You can do Twitter, whatever works. You can be at exhibitions. You can invite people to attend those exhibitions. You can do a whole lot of stuff. And in that company and in that mixture, telephone sales very much still works. It's a question of whether your people have the resilience and determination to, to deliver on it and whether you've got the right kind of CRM system um, processes internally that allows marketing to sit comfortably beside the calls. One of the things that um, that means is that you just need to be really prepared. You need to have bought, or accessed, or harvested really, really good databases. You need to know the GDPR rules that determine uh, any potential calling ratios. And you need to be ready in terms of training, in terms of script, in terms of uh, getting the right people in the right mindset. The environment is really important. You know, you've got to have uh, some kind of understanding that if you're on the phone all day, trying to crack out telephone calls all the time, the environment that you sit in has a massive influence on how you perform. And I think that's something that's, that's, that's often overlooked. So the preparation is not just for the salesperson, it's for the management team, the admin team, and it's like trying to help create an environment that is conducive to what is essentially slogan and hard work. The idea that there are some kind of ratios in advance, so typically in the preparation stage, when I've been working with sales teams and sales managers, they often ask me, so how many calls um, would be a good day? So you try and put together a, a metric of something like 30 calls a day should get you speaking to say 10 people. Out of those 10 people, you should be able to connect four meetings and you should be able to convert four meetings to two proposals and a 50% conversion rate. So it could be in the first phase of it, you're making 30 calls to generate one particular, one piece of business um, or one meeting or whatever. Um, those ratios will change depending on what you're working to, but I think it's important to err on the cautious side and not to uh, start slowly and to try and crank up the activity as you move through the cycle. It's almost like periodization in sport. You don't really want to go hard at the beginning because that's when uh, there are muscle strains, that's when there are serious injuries. And similarly in telephone sales, I think that's when people get disillusioned management and staff and you can lose really good people very quickly uh, just by simply creating you know outrageous or ridiculous targets for them to achieve if you believe in telephone sales as a, a serious platform for business development then it has to be considered over the long term you just can't be thinking in phases of one two three or four months or six months or even a year you know it's going to take a long time 
to get that particular part of the sales cycle moving through the phone. And I think that's important that both parties, management and uh, telesales people, um, manage their expectations from the very start. It's, I did it as a job, probably, well, it was the first job I had actually, making 80, 80 calls a day. That's what my memory tells me. It probably wasn't 80 calls a day. I was maybe speaking to 20 or 30 people. And one of the key things that I noticed was that the, the ease with which you can get really elated um, because somebody either buys what you're selling or the ease with which you can get really deflated because somebody tells you to like, you know, just go away in the, in the harshest of terms. And the key thing is that you just cannot take it serious or personal. Any, any slights that you get, you, shan't, you can't be taking them serious and you certainly can't be taking them personal. It's almost a tax on the job that you've chosen. If you're doing that job, you've got to expect that that is the case. It's going to happen. That's something for both management and execs to deal with. I think it's important that both people are aware that there are going to be rough edges that may never be smoothed out from the customer's perspective. But when it does work, it's really gratifying. So building something around the commission structure or the carrot and stick or whatever way you reward your staff, it's important to take into account that um, you can be subjected to a lot of bad manners. And you can go for long periods without having any kind of success. I think it's important to try and factor that in whenever you're creating any commission structures. So one of the, one of the things that people really focus on is creating a, a script. I've worked with a couple of businesses where the the um, confidence in making the call is pretty high. And when the call is in full flight, there's just a whole lot of questions, um, but no real time spent talking about their credentials and why they would be a really suitable um, alternative to the current supplier or just a, a value proposition pitch or an elevator pitch. Nobody does that. So I think you've probably got to work on three different things as part of the sales script. First one is to be able to talk about context. So explain very briefly what the reason for the call is. Second one is to qualify who you're speaking to. So to find out if that is a waste of time for both people or whether you're talking to a decision maker, influencer, um, or informer or whatever it is internally, but you can spend a lot of good time wasting the wrong person. And third, it's really, really important that you are able to articulate your why, as in your credentials, why you should choose us. So that's you one or two sentences and not, not nothing any longer than that. But you've got to find a creative way of doing that. Context, qualification and credentials. And they can be rotated in any way. So it doesn't have to be, hey, the reason for the call. You can start off by saying, can I just check if you're the right person to speak to? You can also say, let me tell you a bit about us. You can say it in whatever fashion the conversation flow will allow for. Um, but you have to be ready for that. So people don't really love... No, that's really unfair. People hate working for, with scripts normally. Any salesperson of any particular age in telephone will tell you, yeah, no, we'll, we'll, we can talk. You know, each individual situation is different, so we can't let the conversation flow. And you don't let the conversation flow. You have to have some structure to it, and you have to know in your head an idea of where that is going. Um, if it's going to go in a certain way, if it's like fishing, and you've got to let the, the prospect or the target or the fish, whatever you want to call it, go for a run and take the line and just have a normal conversation before you try and close out. 
but you need to have some kind of structure to it. You need to be able to pivot from one to the other. So context qualified credentials or any kind of permutation of those three, um, not at your leisure, but pretty quickly. So you need to know it off by heart. So that's why the idea of working off a script in the 21st century is, is pretty nonsensical. You should know and have committed the information to memory so that you can speak fluently and confidently about what it is will make the prospect light up. So the idea that, that you need that preparation um, and you need to learn stuff is kind of alien to salespeople because they all they want to do is learn the product and learn the features and benefits of the product, but they don't want to learn structure or process to the call, which is arguably more important than any product knowledge. And I think one thing they need to be sure of is that the only thing you really sell on the phone is an upgrade to a mobile phone contract. It's the only time you're going to take a call and make it inter and it be of any interest to you because it's not really high value items that are sold in the telephone these days. Way, way back and much to the embarrassment of those industries, advertising, recruitment and double glazing were all pulled together as the horror show of sales because that's the tele-sales tactic that was used by those three industries um, and they didn't leave a particularly strong reputation behind. Um, so yeah, if you can, you can get yourself ready and have a conversation that's essentially going to create an appointment. Every telephone call is not designed to sell on the phone, it's designed to sell an appointment or the idea of an appointment. And that's really important as well, that you go into the telephone call slow, methodical, curious, calm, and not trying to close everything down in the one go. Um, because very, very seldom you'll get a chance to start talking about um, closing a deal on the phone. Um, I just don't think it happens these days. I think you've got to be really, really um, sure of your own sales process. And typically that is get an introduction over the phone and then get a sales meeting. And then after that, try and get a proposal out and have further conversations and dialogue by email and by the phone. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, back in the day when I was learning, which is way back in the late 80s, all I had was a copy of the Yellow Pages, the telephone book and, and the phone. Today, the uh, resource for searching and for pre-call diagnostics and um, target matching and everything else is unreal. Yet people refuse to do it because it sounds like hard work. It's like you can't expect your grass to grow without weeding the lawn and getting it in proper order, which will break your back before you see any benefit out of it. And it's the same as prospecting. You have to put the hard yards in to make sure you've got all the information um, together, which will allow you to hit some kind of peak performance or flow sooner rather than later. Um, you need to get into flow really quickly. And um, otherwise it just becomes really bitty and you don't get into any kind of um, positive mindset. And everything that happens as a result of that is, delays success. People don't like also to listen to calls. <clears throat> I've kind of just been free-flowing here with this conversation, um, but it just dawned on me um, as part of the script and as part of the preparation, um, people don't really like to hear the recordings back. So you could sit down for months and months and make loads of phone calls and get nowhere and not fully understand why you're not succeeding. Recorded telephone calls serves a number of purposes covers you legally, um, 
you have to, if you're making outbound phone calls, say the calls are recorded for training and business purposes. Um, number two, you get, you've got to be able to trap information. So if any customer wants to make any complaints, that you have got full um, a full recording so that you can go back and managers can check over to validate the position of the salesperson or the position of the customer. It's really good also to find out where you're going wrong. You've never, no person has ever actively or physically sold to themselves. So they don't really know what it sounds like to be spoken to. They don't know the the cadence of the call, their voice. They don't know um, regional inflections. They don't know about, they don't know what it sounds like. And I think that's really important. Um, it's hard on the ear sometimes, but I think it's a really good thing to have programmed into all telephone sales, just random calls to pick out what it sounds like to be spoken to by that person. Um, I think an, another thing is um, the, the knowing the value propositions and knowing those reasons why you stand out against your competition. It's really hard to condense that if you're not ready. So way back when I worked in newspapers, uh, a guy that I worked with said that the biggest challenge for a tabloid editor was to make the story stand out because they didn't have the same space as a broadsheet. So if you can visualize paper that is something like the Daily Mail or the Daily Express and the old school broadsheet, um, broadsheet's about three or four times the size and greater space, whereas with the um, tabloid, you had space in front cover for a huge image and then an arresting headline and limited body copy to try and get the attention of the person on the newsstand. So whilst each paper has its own audience, there are very, very practical reasons for layout, and for font size, for all that sort of stuff. And it's it's really no different than a telephone call. You have to be able to work very sort of fleet of foot to be able to craft your argument or your method of persuasion into a way that will suit the listener. And that can only be done if you fully know the story about your business, if you fully understand the competition, the market, if you're kind of empathetic, if you have good attunement, so you're kind of wired into what it would feel like to get an unsolicited call at three o'clock in the afternoon and you're gonna to have to deal with trying to slow that person down and let them buy into the idea that it's really important that they speak to you. Um, that's, that's important um, as well. Um, it's also important to get them off the phone if they're not suitable. If you're speaking to somebody and you know they are um, chatting away and you're thinking you're getting on great because you're chatting away too, but the reality is that you're chatting away to the wrong person. I've heard loads of recorded calls where people think they're doing really well. They've set up appointments. Those appointments mean taking a day out of the office, driving maybe, I don't know, 50 or 60 mile one way, 50 or 60 back, get to meet the person and the person is absolutely no influence whatsoever and the information they give you in the phone was wrong. So I think it's kind of, to frame it another way, it's it's really important to get that wrong person off the phone quickly so you don't waste time. Um, and I think you probably have to get off the phone anyway because if you're spending more than five or 10 minutes, you're arguing in the wrong platform. There's no point in arguing the, the, the toss about something on the telephone when you're just getting caught into a, he said, she said, and that's not as good, and I've heard you're not as expensive, and I always use this, and so on and so forth. It's about persuasion over the long term. You will not win the battle on the telephone just by trying to persuade somebody that their lifetime view up to that point has been wrong, because that's essentially what 
that idea of displacement is um, something I kind of struggle with. Um, and you know, people talk about wanting to be a disruptor and displacement, you know, or a displacer. How how does that work? Like, how does that look? You know, it's great to stick it in your LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I'm a disruptor. I just don't know if it's all that authentic all the time to be calling yourself a disruptor because disruption means, you know, it, it's a big statement. And if you're on the telephone call speaking to a stranger and saying you're a disruptor, um, it's maybe a turn off, you know. Um, recording your calls, just to kind of reverse a little bit, recording your calls also gives you an idea of speed of speaking and I know that I've got to check myself quite a few times because they speak fast. Um, but it's all about being understood and accents will play positively for you as, as well as being your downfall, but only if your speed is not moderated to a point where you can be understood using the right kind of language, using very simple language. You don't know if you're patronising the person on the other end of the phone because you've got no idea what intellect level you're speaking to, whether you're speaking to a genius, whether you're speaking to somebody who's just in through the door, whether they've got no experience, you've no idea. And I think it's a, a very brave judgment call to start calling people out on their don't you know how much I know kind of routine when that, that's not really what the call's all about. The call is there and designed to generate interest, to set up a meeting, to have a few meetings before you can start talking about sending proposals out and so on and so forth. One of the things I noticed as well um, in my experience of working in telesales is that you give a, a caller a list of a thousand names and numbers and they call those and they go through 30 calls a day. So in 10 days, they've rang, two weeks, they'll have rang 300. They probably won't, they'll maybe rang about 200. So they've rang 200, that's 200 names that can, you know, that need to be put back in the system where you're going to call them again in two or three weeks' time or two months' time because there's not a never-ending supply of data. You have to manage the data really carefully. And if you've got something that you think is of real value to, to your customers and your prospects, you want to go slowly at those people to make sure that you get the right chance the first time around. You're not necessarily going to get a chance the second time around. And that's, that's what I think is really crucial. You have to make really good good time of your time. It's like almost hurry up and slow down, if that makes sense. Um, and I'm just looking through some of the content that I was taking online here. Um, uh, cold calling versus warm calling. So like they say warm calling means you establish contact with a prospect before sending them an email. I have seen so many people trying to connect with me on LinkedIn uh, with two or three cents saying, hey, Paul, I've just read through your profile and I think we'd have loads of com loads in common. Do you fancy connecting? Or, hey, Paul, I probably didn't know this, but 80% of blah, blah, blah. It's exactly the same as a really, really poor telephone call. Exactly the same. Just because it happens to be on a LinkedIn platform or through HubSpot, who've got pedigree and a fairly rich, albeit fairly recent tradition in digital marketing, that you should accept it that that's the platform for changing a cold call to a warm call. Bullshit. If you're going to send me an email and you don't know who I am, that's a cold email. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's on LinkedIn or whether you're sending it yourself. Your intention might be relatively honourable, but just having a really good grasp of the English language and knowing how to write an email and knowing how to put in call to action, as in get your eyes to read this, so at least get your attention, then call to act, if that makes sense. 
So it's um, it's disingenuous of these guys like HubSpot and LinkedIn to say, yeah, you know what we're doing? It's a little bit better. It's all the same. It just happens to work better if it's blended together. The challenge is to blend it in in the right kind of way where the salesperson benefits from marketing support and the customer doesn't feel, feel overwhelmed. Um, some of the other stuff. 17 lead generation alternatives to cold calling. So they're writing content here just so if you're Googling, you're going to find out alternatives to cold call. Jesus, you know, content, uh, yeah, I could go into that one there, but I'm not really. Um, sharing content on social media to help solve the customer's problems. Once you built up your personal following, you'll have a natural flow of prospects to your, to your products and services. I mean, like that, make, they make it sound so easy because it only has like one bullet point with one sentence behind it. So you've got to write content, share interesting content that helps prospective customers solve their business problems on social media. That's a marketing skill. Okay, so you want your your lead generators to be lead generating or you want them to be writing content. So you get marketing to write the content and you get your salespeople to start trying to share it and talk about it uh, effectively online or two different disciplines. And that's the challenge of layering marketing and sales over the top. Um, write a blog, engage on social media with the right people. Um, write a blog, yeah. Um, if you're writing a blog for sharing content sake, yeah, if you're writing it for optimization sake, I'm not so sure. I've written some content recently and I've had to optimize it based on my need to qualify better for certain key phrases. It feels a little bit like bullshit. It feels that you're writing content for the wrong reasons. It feels that you've been disingenuous with your audience and, and so it goes. So um, writing a blog um, might be a really good showcase for your expertise, but if you're not a naturally gifted writer, then it's going to take you a lot of time to get a piece that you're proud of, that you want to own, and that your customers will understand. That, again, sounds like a marketing job. So here we have the HubSpot guys suggesting that actually selling is all about marketing. Neither, uh, they, have to, they, have to, they have to be symbiotic. They have to work off each other. Join LinkedIn groups, answer questions people are asking in your industry, okay? So I'm on three or four different LinkedIn um, groups and the quality of the questions um, varies so widely from Stephen Hawkins to just like, I don't know, just really in the end, you know. It's hard to know which groups to join and it's harder to spend time cherry picking through the right ones to, to leave your responses or ask questions. Um, sales, sales emails, yeah, they would definitely work. Um, sell, but you know, Ditch, ditch the call script, they say. Ditch the call script. Okay, be human, be relatable, and consultative in your calls. So ditch the call script by be human, relatable, and consultative in your calls. Why not have a script and be human, relatable, and consultative? Script means a process and structure. It doesn't mean say this exactly. There's a way to start your call. There's a way to finish your call. And the bit in the middle is, very, is variable. The fixed is the politeness, the courtesy, and the energy at the front and the back of the call. To start with, that kind of needs to be scripted. You need to know how to say that, and after a while you'll say it um, with muscle memory, and it'll become a deliberate practice rather than just saying it the one way for the crack. Um, you know, be human, relatable, and consultative. What differentiates um, automated intelligence and humans is, is our ability to show empathy, understanding, and emotion. Like, we're, be human, like, that's not a, that doesn't replace the script, that's just common sense.
Um, so yeah, like go and Google it yourselves. For me, if you're not using cold calling, telephone sales, telemarketing now, whatever you want to call it, if you're not using the telephone now, you've got to ask why in a world where there are six billion people and only marginally less telephones in the world, mobile phones, why you wouldn't want to use it. The data might be harder to get, but I think it's better to get speaking to the person you need to speak to as quickly as possible. The path of least resistance, whether that's telephone or email, it doesn't matter. You have got to take the path of least resistance. Um, go and Google it yourself um, and see how you get on. I, I just think it's because it's something that I've been experienced in and I've got a lot of case studies personally that prove that it works. Um, I'll be happy to hear how it's worked with you. I just think it's a great tool that's underused. Um, and it's not a millennial, Gen Z, Gen X, baby boomer thing. It's a confidence thing, in my humble opinion. It's knowing how to speak properly on the phone. It's knowing how to craft a flow of a sales call in a way that suits both customer and caller and that you've got very clear intentions um, and you're able to articulate those. That's a confidence thing. It's not tech speak. You can't hide behind a smiley face or an emoji. You have to talk and you have to be able to communicate effectively. You get one chance at it. And I think that's the problem. I don't think it's the, the inefficiency or the ineffectiveness of the telephone as a medium. I just think it's people aren't trained um, to use it properly. Obviously, with that in mind, I'm going to say that. I've just turned into HubSpot and LinkedIn, haven't I? But I don't really um, think you can do it alone. I think you need to have a good blend of telephone, um, marketing, above-the-line support. Like I spoke to a marketeer the other day who's come out of university, and he said that he never studied out of home. It wasn't in, their, in, their, in any module that he did about learning about media. So billboards, bus sides, bus shelters. When we're trying to move more people onto public transport, kind of to save the, the environment and cut down on CO2 emissions and all that sort of stuff, young marketeers are not told about the potency of out of home where pretty much 98% of everybody at some point goes outside. Maybe there's the argument that they think everybody's with their head down is looking at their phones, you know. I don't know, but people who drive don't do that. At least they shouldn't do that. Anyway, that's another rant. So that's over. If you need to contact uh, me at all, um, whether it's to send me kind of um, any of your suggestions, I'd be delighted to hear from you. I've had some really good feedback um, so far in this series and I'm grateful for, for you taking the time to listen. If you've listened this far, thank you. If you've listened to any of it, thank you. If there's anything that you think is good counsel and advice you can take that's deadly too um, so just to, to finish off um, I'm on shift-control.co.uk email is paul at shift-control.co.uk and I'm also on LinkedIn uh, which is becoming more uh, like Facebook every day and I'm less inclined to be on there for much longer I haven't already dropped off Twitter and Facebook so um, yeah Thanks very much. I hope the week's going well and I'll talk to you all later.